Thank you for hitting the download and subscribe button on iTunes and Google Play. This is Steven Jensen. You're listening to the Fight Talk Podcast. Today is Sunday, April the 15th, 2018. We're about a week, actually exactly a week, from uh, WrestleMania, which I was at live in New Orleans. I went to WrestleMania, also was in the building in the Smoothie King Center for the Hall of Fame, although I did not attend uh, the show from a seat, I was in the building in the broadcast room. I also uh, did attend NXT TakeOver, WrestleMania, and the Raw after WrestleMania all live from a seat with the crowd, and that was a great time. I'm going to talk about that on this show, talk about WrestleMania weekend, and just to fill you guys in, the reason that I'm doing this so late, this kind of review of uh, the weekend in New Orleans, I've just been super busy since I came back uh, to Nashville Got back on Tuesday, so I didn't go to SmackDown in New Orleans, although I did get back in time to watch it on TV, as well as 205 Live, so I'll talk about that as well. And I've been doing a lot of writing over at DailyDDT.com. So that's, once again, DailyDDT.com. It's part of Fansided.com. I've been doing a lot of writing for them, a lot of WWE articles, NXT articles, that kind of stuff, sometimes some New Japan as well. And I've also been working a lot with MMA on Point. So MMAonpoint.com is a website that launched recently. It's affiliated with the YouTube channel that's been around for about eight, nine months now. And I've been working with those guys since January of this year. So we're kicking that more into gear. Make sure to check out their stuff as well. I never take credit for their YouTube videos. That's all them. Uh, Jason and Tom are the two guys that started MMA on Point. And I was, uh, the, I think, the first person actually that they brought on to help and I do social media and help with news stories on their website. So uh, make sure to check that out. Once again, it's MMA on point. They're getting very close to 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. So big accomplishment for them. And that all being said, you know, this episode is just going to be me by myself talking about WrestleMania weekend. I'm sure I'm going to forget stuff, but hey, let's go for it. We're going to start with the Hall of Fame. That was Friday night. Um, I went to just straight WWE stuff. When I was there in New Orleans, you know, I would have liked to attend other things like Joey Janela's spring break. I'm definitely be doing that next year. Um, I just couldn't do it. It was so late. It started at like one in the morning and went until like four in the morning. And I just had other stuff I had to do and I just couldn't make it to that show. But I, it, I think it was a, I mean, it looked like it was a blast. And the people that I talked to said it was a blast. And the matches that I've seen so far from the show were amazing. So a lot of fun. Definitely want to give a shout out to Joey Janela. That's a guy I've seen live here in Nashville and in surrounding cities and like Chattanooga and stuff many times. And the guy's phenomenal and he's been in the business for like 15 years. So it's really great to see him doing the stuff that he's doing. So good stuff there. I would have also obviously loved to be at Ring of Honor. I'm a huge Cody Rhodes fan, as everybody knows. And Cody versus Kenny Omega is a match I really wanted to attend live, but with it running on the same day as NXT TakeOver, it was impossible to be in two places at once, and I was unable to be there live, but I was, like I said, at NXT, and I'm glad that I was in NXT, because honestly, I think NXT TakeOver in New Orleans was the show of the weekend, and it had my favorite match of the weekend as well, which I'm going to talk about here shortly. But as far as the WWE stuff, and the stuff that I was you know, pretty much in attendance for, I'll start with the Hall of Fame. I was not, like I said, I was not in a seat, but I was inside the Smoothie King Center in the Pelicans NBA broadcasting room uh, with my friend Daniel Salerson. I want to give a shout out to Daniel Salerson. He is a friend of mine. I've known him for a very long time since we were teenagers, and 
he let me stay at his place in New Orleans. Every time I'm there, he's very hospitable. His uh his wife, Christy, and him are are due to give birth to their first child, I believe in June or July. So really, really great. And thanks once again to Daniel for for just everything there in New Orleans. And for those of you who may have missed it, me and him actually did a preview and prediction podcast for Fight Talk um for the uh, NXT TakeOver and WrestleMania shows. And we did them from the Pelican studio uh, right there in the Smoothie King Center with like real legit equipment, which was definitely a change for, uh, you know, from what I'm used to using for my shows. So once again, Daniel, thanks a lot for that, buddy. And uh, we had a great time. As far as the Hall of Fame goes, uh, I think the show is way too long. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. I love that they give... um all these people a platform and I love that you know everyone is there to pay homage to superstars of the past and some of the present I mean when you really think about it I mean guys like for instance uh, Mark Henry is still technically active I think on the WWE roster and we know guys like Bubba Ray Dudley are still doing it and stuff like that and I apologize right off the bat if you hear any noise my neighbors love to do really loud stuff the second I start recording these things. So if you hear anything in the background, I apologize. And if you see me at a show, I will buy you a beer for the inconvenience of the noise. So just, there you go. Um, as far as the Hall of Fame speeches, once again, these were way too long. They need to put a limit on these things. Like, uh, And they might have one. They just might not really stick to them. Or what they have set out might just be too long to begin with. I'd say like 10 to 12 minutes is enough. But it was great seeing Goldberg, Ivory, Jeff Jarrett, Hillbilly Jim. Hillbilly Jim, by the way, I, already, I thought was already in the Hall of Fame before his announcement for induction. So that was kind of surprising to me. Mark Henry, Paul Heyman uh, inducting Goldberg was great. Seeing Molly Holly induct Ivory was great. Road Dog with Jeff Jarrett was great. Although they should not have done that song at the end. They didn't know the words and it went way too long. The fans didn't know the words. It was awkward. It was stupid. It took way too long. Good seeing Jimmy Hart and Big Show doing inductions as well. And, of course, we saw the Dudley Boys go into the Hall of Fame, inducted by Ed and Christian. So that was great to see. I like the Dudley Boys speech, although it went really long. It was really good. The Warrior Award recipient was Jarius J.J. Robertson, who's very – he's basically a, a, a celebrity in the New Orleans area. He's a kid that I've actually known about for years, and it's cool seeing him get this nod in the WWE Hall of Fame. And then, of course, we had Kid Rock going into the Hall of Fame, inducted by Triple H. And I thought this was cool, but I was really hoping to see The Undertaker uh, induct Kid Rock, even though it would have been weird considering what we saw on Wednesday, or on uh, Wednesday, on uh, on Sunday at WrestleMania with The Undertaker, which we'll talk about here in a second. So that's all I'm going to say about the Hall of Fame. It was a good show overall, but way too long. So Saturday night came around, and NXT TakeOver New Orleans was incredible. I got a ticket last minute uh, through a friend of a friend, basically, and got real lucky, uh, sat next to a really cool guy. I'm actually going to look his name up right now, so bear with me here because I want to give him credit for hooking me up with his ticket because he gave me a really good price on it, and he was a real big wrestling fan and real big MMA fan. We have a lot of mutual friends, actually, so it was really cool sitting with him and I just wish I could remember his name I feel like a real jerk for not knowing it off the top of my head it is bah, bah, bah. this is great radio by the way Joe from H-Town uh is 
his name on Twitter. It's at Joe Daddy 85. So Joe from Houston, basically. Thank you if you're listening to this. You're the man. And thank you for the hookup on some great tickets for NXT. And I'm really glad that I attended this show, like I said, because the first match of the show, the ladder match for the inaugural NXT North American Championship between Adam Cole, EC3, Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, Ricochet, and uh, Velveteen Dream was my favorite match of the entire weekend. I thought this was absolutely incredible. Adam Cole is, I mean, they have the potential here with Adam Cole to, I mean, he could be the face of the WWE. He's that good. He's fantastic in the ring. He's amazing as a character. His facial expressions are the best. And he's he's a great character because he's very manipulative. Manipulative. I'm saying that right. He manipulates people very well. I'll say that. Um, you know, the sky's the limit for that guy. And the Undisputed Era is my favorite thing in any WWE brand. I mean, of anything that is involved with the WWE, my favorite thing is the Undisputed Era. We're going to talk about that a little bit more here in a second. But that place was going nuts for this ladder match. Uh, I saw Dave Meltzer gave it a five-star rating, and I think it's fully deserved. I thought all um, all six of these guys really busted their asses. And there was no downtime in this match. It was action the entire time for like 31 and a half minutes. And the the roof blew off the building when Adam Cole won. The Adam Cole Bebe chants are just overwhelming and they're great. So Adam Cole, can't say enough good things. This ladder match was awesome. If you haven't seen it, check it out right now or you know after this show. Up next, we saw Shayna Baszler defeat em- Ember Moon. Uh, by submission for the NXT Women's Championship in about 13 minutes. Not a whole lot to say about this match. It was solid, and uh, Baszler won. I also want to mention that, I I can't believe I forgot to mention this, Uh, at WrestleRumble.com, which is one of the sponsors of my podcast, I filled out an entry for the NXT TakeOver New Orleans uh, Pick'em Contest, and I actually won the entire thing. I got... Almost all of these predictions right, including like the mini questions within the questions. The only one that I miss is the main event, which we'll talk about in a minute here. But I won a replica NXT Championship belt from WrestleRumble.com. It's the first time I've won one of their contests. Like I enter them every uh, every show, but this is the first one that I won. And my belt showed up in two days. It's sitting in my office right now. And thanks once again to WrestleRumble.com. And this is just a plug for them uh to you guys that these contests are amazing and you can win awesome prizes for knowing about pro wrestling. So I won that contest and I couldn't believe it. But as that just came to mind, as I was talking about these, uh, these, uh, this review. So Baszler defeated moon. I liked it. I liked that it was a submission win. not a whole lot more to say. I think Baszler is the right choice for, uh, for champion right now. Excuse me. Up next we had, the Undisputed Era of Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly defeating the Authors of Pain and Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. The Undisputed Era, of course, you know, Adam Cole was pulling double duty after the ladder match and because Bobby Fish is currently injured. The Authors of Pain took Adam Cole out of this match right away and he wasn't a factor in it whatsoever. We finally saw the turn of Roderick Strong. We saw Strong join the Undisputed Era. Finally, like, it's something I've wanted for so long. It's something I've been talking about since Undisputed Era debuted on NXT TV. That Roderick Strong is a perfect fit for that group. And it's finally happening. And now you have Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, 
Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong making up the Undisputed Era. That is such a stacked group, especially in ring. I I'm so excited to see what they do with this group, not only in just NXT, but I hope on the main roster soon as well. They have the they really really do have the potential to be like the best, really the best stable we've ever seen. Because look at the talent in that group, it's unreal. Like you basically have, you basically have a four horsemen group with four Dean Malenkos, if that makes sense. You know, like you have four guys that can just go in any type of match against any type of opponent. I'm so 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 excited to see what they do. I fucking love the Undisputed Era, so. Great to see Roger Strong turn. Everyone in this match looked good. It went about uh, just under four, or just sorry, just under twelve minutes. So really good stuff, and I love seeing the Undisputed Era retain their belts. Up next, we had Alistair Black defeating Andrade Cien Almas. Really good match. Uh, it gets overshadowed by uh, the ladder match in the main event, which we'll talk about after this. But this was a damn good match. It was great to see Alistair Black win the title. I think it was the right move. And I would not be surprised to see Cien Almas up on Raw or SmackDown in the Superstar Shake-Up as early as tomorrow or Tuesday. Almas is absolutely amazing, and so is Vega. Their act together is one of my favorite things in, in WWE. But Aleister Black is the right choice. I think he's going to carry NXT into kind of the next uh, generation, I guess, of people. Because they're constantly you know, hiring and promoting and firing people, you know, in NXT. Like, it's it's a constant movement of talent. And Aleister Black is the right guy to have at the forefront of that right now. And there's a lot of options for him, for opponents. And we could even possibly see a rematch between um, Aleister and Cien before one of, if not both of them, moves up to the main roster. And after that, we had the main event of NXT. We had Johnny, Gar- Johnny Gargano. Can't believe I had a hard time saying his name. Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling, defeating Tommaso Ciampa by submission in an unsanctioned match, 37 minutes long. Gargano reinstated into NXT with the win. This match was awesome. You know, another match that I saw that Dave Meltzer gave five stars, and I believe that's the first time Dave Meltzer has given five stars to two, show, to two matches on one show in the history of the five-star rating system, I'm pretty sure. And that goes for any company. Which is pretty insane considering how rarely WWE receives five-star ratings from Meltzer. But as of late, NXT is is making it happen. I mean, they're just putting on such a great show. And Gargano and Ciampa was no exception. They were they were awesome. And this match was awesome. You know, It would have been match of the night for me easy if the latter match wasn't there. And it's even a toss-up then. You know, I wouldn't be mad if people said they liked Gargano and Ciampa more than the latter match. But I, you know, I prefer the latter match, but I thought that this unsanctioned match with Champ and Gargano was fucking amazing. It's amazing stuff. You, you go out of your way to watch it if you haven't already. Just the storytelling is what really made this match, you know, over the top for me. So, I mean, what more can you really say? NXT TakeOver New Orleans was a fucking amazing show. It was fucking amazing. It was my favorite show of the weekend. And like I said, I would have loved to be at Ring of Honor because there was not only just Cody and Kenny, there was a lot of other good stuff on that show I wanted to see as well. But I'm really glad I went to NXT. And I also want to mention that Ring of Honor made a humongous mistake, in my opinion, by putting Dalton Castle against Marty Skrull 
on last as the main event of uh, of their show on Saturday night because everyone was there to see Cody versus Kenny. And I'm a huge fan of Marty Skrull, a huge fan of the villain. I love Skrull, but I'm still on the fence about Dalton Castle. And, and I understand that he's over. I, I see that. The fans, especially live, love him. But I think he's over in the same way as, like, Ty Dillinger doing 10 in NXT was over, if that makes sense. And I've heard other people like Doug, uh, Doug Bateman, who's been on my show, who does a YouTube channel. Um, I've heard him say similar things, and I agree with him 100%. I just don't think that Dalton Castle is that good. Like, I, I'm not saying that he's terrible or that he's bad by any means. But what I am saying is you have guys like Cody and Kenny and these other guys. And granted, some of them have New Japan um, obligations and stuff like that. But that just kind of goes to show you that I think Ring of Honor really needs to be building their own young, homegrown stars again. Because the majority of what's making the Ring of Honor shows good, in my opinion, is their deal with New Japan. Like, they're... Their New Japan talent exchange is what's making Ring of Honor great right now. If they didn't have that, they're looking at a fairly weak roster, in my opinion. So, just take that for what it is. But I just, I really disagree with Dalton Castle not only main eventing that show, but also retaining his belt in that show. So, that's just my thoughts on Ring of Honor right now. So, up next, let's talk about WrestleMania 34. I'm not going to go into as super into depth on these because there is 14 matches and this show is seven hours long. I want to give a shout out to Colin from Kayfabe News. I sat next to him at WrestleMania and Colin is an awesome dude. For those of you who don't follow Kayfabe News, give them a follow right now on social media. I believe Twitter is where they do most of their stuff. That's always how I knew him uh, from before meeting him at the show. They basically do fake wrestling news stories, but they're meant to be humorous, not misleading. They're just really funny stuff, and the success that he's had with that um, that web page and those stories is amazing to me. And especially now that I know the guy behind the website, and now that I know Colin on a personal level, I I can't be happier for him because he's such a nice dude, and those stories are so damn funny. So. Make sure to check them out, but me and Colin sat next to each other, as well as my buddy Daniel Sowerson from the Pelicans. The three of us had awesome seats for WrestleMania, had a clear view of everything, and I actually had, we were like the farthest row back of our section, and also um, on the staircase, so basically there was nobody in front of the three of us, and we could all put our feet out without anybody being in front of us, and no obstructed view whatsoever, so... No one had to walk past us to get to seats, and we could stand as much as we wanted to. I also want to mention that Linda McMahon was sitting like 10, 15 feet tops away from me during almost the entire show, which was insane because we were the last row before the boxes. So her box seat was right above where we were sitting. So I was able to actually watch Linda McMahon's reactions during most of the show. Like something would happen and I'd turn around and kind of like, we kind of like, I kind of look at her, you know, just, it was really funny just to kind of see how, how she acted during these shows. And she was holding the script for WrestleMania in her hand. Like she was holding it up pretty much right over my head and it, literally right over my friend's head. I had another friend who was sitting literally right underneath Linda. Like I was to the side of her. He was right underneath her. He could have, if he wanted to, he could have literally grabbed the script out of her hand and we could have spoiled all WrestleMania for everybody. 
but obviously we didn't do that. It was just really cool seeing Linda so close in person, and she looked like she was really enjoying her time at WrestleMania, which was really cool. But as far as the matches themselves go, Matt Hardy winning the Under the Giant Battle Royal, I called that one, so I was correct on that prediction. Oh, like I said, on the NXT prediction, just for the record, I was correct on every prediction, except I did choose uh, Champa over Gargano, so I was wrong on that. I was right on uh, on this one, although I did say that I wanted to see Mark Henry enter the match and win it as like a final nod, uh, one last big win after induction into the Hall of Fame, but Matt Hardy winning was the right choice. We saw Bray Wyatt come out and align himself with Matt to help him win, last eliminating Baron Corbin. So we'll see where all that goes, but good start. Uh, great, great start to the show, actually. The, cl- the crowd was really um, excited for this one. They were really into it. Up next, we had Cedric Alexander defeating Mustafa Ali for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. It was the finals of that tournament that's been going on ever since Endo- Enzo Amore got fired um, while he was the champion. Had to vacate the belt, of course. This match went about 12 and a half minutes. It wasn't as good as what we'd been seeing uh leading up to it in the in the previous months leading into this like during the tournament I thought the tournament matches were all better than this but it was a good match it was a good way to showcase the cruiserweights I predicted Ali to win and I think Ali was the was the better choice to be honest but I do like Cedric Alexander a lot I just thought it was a little too predictable and it's it's one of those things where wrestling being predictable is not always a bad thing but like Cedric Alexander was already the number one contender before the tournament even started so why did he have to go through all of this to win the belt? If that does that if that makes sense to you guys, you know what I mean. Like Cedric was already getting title shots, so why did he have to just win a, a sixteen man tournament to get a title shot when he was already the number one contender? So there's that. But I thought the match was solid. Uh, after that, we had Naomi, 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 uh, last eliminating Bailey to win the first ever women's battle royal. This was all right. It wasn't as good as the men's match, to be uh, to be honest, in my opinion. It was about 10 minutes long. The roof became unhinged when Bailey, when everyone thought that Bailey won, when she eliminated Sasha. I thought that was the best way of ending the match right there. I, I loved that ending. And then Naomi came in. And I'm really over this whole, you know, rolling out to the floor under the ropes and then coming in at the end stuff in, in battle royals and royal rumbles and stuff like that, like, there needs to be some sort of rule put in place. Like, if you roll out of the ring before, and been like, like in the Royal Rumble, for instance, it should be something like if you roll out of the ring, you have to get back in before the next entrant comes in. Or if, like, if you're coming down the ramp and somebody hit, something happens, or like you don't want to get in the ring right away, you have to get in before the next person enters, or else you're disqualified. It's got to be something like that for the Royal Rumble. For these battle royals, there needs to be a 10 count or something. Like, you roll out of the ring, you have 10 seconds to get back into the ring. Or else you're eliminated. You know, that would make sense. Because I think it's stupid to have these kind of loophole rules. Um, And especially when you win using that, I just, I think it devalues the whole thing. So, didn't have a whole lot of time for that. Alright, after that, we started the actual pay-per-view. WrestleMania 34. Seth Rollins defeated The Miz and Finn Balor to win the Intercontinental title in 15 and a half minutes. I thought this match was really, really good. Uh, Really great to see Rollins win. I think that he was the right choice. I took Balor, but if you listen to my prediction podcast uh, here on this feed or wherever wherever else you listen to podcasts, 
I chose Balor because I thought Rollins was the obvious choice, and I should have just went with my gut, I guess, uh, because Rollins did win, and I think that Rollins, and Rollins is my favorite of these three on a personal level, so um, I love all three of them, though. I think The Miz is fantastic. I've been a fan of his since his days on The Real World. I still have the Be Good, Be Bad, Be Miz trucker hat from The Real World Road Rules Challenges from back in the day as proof. I've still got it as proof that I was a fan even back then of his before he was even in pro wrestling, um, or even, well, I guess that was when he was training at UPW, to be uh, technically correct there, um, but I was a fan of his before he was in pro wrestling when he was on the real world, so there's that too, and Finn Balor, everyone knows how great he is, but uh, Rollins getting the win was good, and I hope there's some big stuff on the horizon for all three of these guys, because the, these are three of the guys that they really need to build the whole company around right now. After that, we had Charlotte Flair defeating Asuka to win, or sorry, to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship in 13 minutes. This was surprising to me because I thought Asuka was going to win. I chose her to continue her undefeated streak, and Charlotte got the win in a really, really, really good women's match. I predicted this would be the best women's match on the show. Pretty obvious prediction, pretty low-hanging fruit there for, for that pick, but, you know, they totally delivered. I thought this was a great match, and it went the right amount of time. Nothing bad I can say about it. And it was good to see Charlotte win. Although my choice was Asuka, and I think Asuka was the better choice, I am not mad about Charlotte winning that one. And we'll talk about what happened on SmackDown here uh, in just a little bit. After that, we have my least favorite moment of the night, probably. I'm trying to think if there's any... Oh, maybe, yeah. We'll talk... Yeah, there's something else on this show that I really wasn't into either. But um, Jinder Mahal won the United States Championship, defeating Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, and Rusev. In English was great, as always, on the microphone for Rusev's entrance, and Rusev Day was so over, I thought that they would just give him the belt, because why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Like, Jinder Mahal is garbage, uh, Randy Orton is a made man, future Hall of Famer, first ballad, one of the best of all time. Bobby Roode is, you know, he's not doing as well as I thought he would on the main roster, but he isn't doing bad either, he's just kind of treading water kind of in the upper mid card so why wouldn't you just give Rusev the belt like everybody wants it but we'll see what happens then we also saw that Rusev was supposed to be wrestling the Undertaker in a casket match at the greatest Royal Rumble event and then they changed that the next day when they announced Chris Jericho was going to have the match with Undertaker instead since then there's speculation that Rusev might even want out of the WWE I don't know he lives here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and he's a nice dude. You know, I hope nothing but you know good things for him. And he's a guy that I really was not that into until recently. Like his initial run as U.S. champion, eventually getting beat by John Cena. Like I didn't see a whole lot in Rusev. I thought he was really overrated, to be honest. And even up until recently, I was still like, "What's the big deal about this guy?" But this Rusev Day stuff and his him showing his personality and doing more in the ring than what he used to do, I'm I'm getting on board. And I think Mahal was a terrible choice uh, to win this match. Up next, we had Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey defeating Triple H and Stephanie McMahon by submission in around 20 and a half minutes. This might have been match of the night. This was probably match of the night which is crazy considering the limitations Kurt Angle has, or at least that I thought he was going to have. Um, Ronda Rousey making her debut, we didn't really know what we were getting. Triple H is always solid. I mean, Triple H is Triple H. And then uh, Stephanie McMahon really hit or miss in the ring. And 
this was a great match. A great match. Uh, I won't go like move by move, but you know, Rousey basically was teasing or, or attempting to hit the arm bar on Stephanie over and over. She got it on Triple H as well. Kurt Angle looked like a million bucks in there. You know, when Angle walks around just like in his day to day, he looks like he's in pain. Like he he kind of stands with his weight on one of his legs because he clearly has some like knee and or hip issues. And he kind of kind of hunched over a little bit. I mean, the guy's beat up. He was a wrestler his entire life. Um, amateur wrestling since he was a kid, all the way through the Olympics, then pro wrestling for the last, geez, 20 years or so. He's a beat up dude, but when he gets in that ring and the adrenaline hits and that music hits and he makes his walk down to the ring and he's he's going to wrestle, he looks like a million bucks every time. So I got to give him his credit there. And I thought this match was really good. And... Ronda Rousey looked great, and the crowd was into it. So kudos to all four of the people involved in this match. I think they stole the show at WrestleMania, and this was a match that I didn't have really high expectations for. So great stuff. After that, we had the Bludgeon Brothers defeating the Usos and the New Day uh, in a triple threat match to win the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. This match went about six minutes long. It was exactly what we expected. It was a squash. I I'd expect the New Day to break up sometime soon, even though we've been saying that for a long time now. The Usos will definitely rebound. They'll you know they'll be right back in that tag team title mix on either Raw or SmackDown ASAP, and we'll see where it goes with the Bludgeon Brothers. Um, I like the team. I just think the whole thing is kind of corny, a little gimmicky for my taste, but yeah, that's just my taste. The, the two guys in the ring are great, especially Harper. I've been saying for a long time Harper's one of the best guys that they've got. And it's cool to see that they're actually doing something with him. Although I think there's even bigger money with Harper as a, a single star. I think he could be WWE champion, no problem. He was the Intercontinental champion at one point, but it was really short-lived. So that's that. Wonder Brothers win, no surprise there. Uh, there was a surprise in the next match. So John Cena came out and basically uh, called out The Undertaker again. Uh, he was sitting in the crowd during the show. A referee came over during the end of Oscar versus Charlotte, which was really weird because Charlotte was still on the entrance ramp and Oscar was in the ring when Cena like got the word from the referee that something was going on. And he ran up the up the top of the entrance ramp to get ready. That was kind of weird how that all happened. But Cena came out thinking he was going to wrestle the Undertaker. Elias came out. Cena hit all of his spots on Elias. Eventually, Undertaker does come out. And they have a match, which, you know, that wasn't surprising. I think everybody expected The Undertaker to be there. I was hoping for the American Badass, especially with Kid Rock being in the house, but that's just kind of nitpicking. And so, like I said, this wasn't surprising that this match happened. What was surprising is The Undertaker squashed John Cena in 2 minutes and 45 seconds. And I wrote about uh, this I wrote an article for the Daily DDT if you want to check it out, but I think that this was basically just a preview, just an appetizer for a rematch between Undertaker and Cena that will happen next year at WrestleMania 35. And it's obvious Undertaker isn't done. You know, he looked great in the, you know, three minutes he was in there with John Cena. And like I said earlier, he's going to be wrestling Chris Jericho in um, at the Greatest Royal Rumble ever. So, I mean, he's definitely not done. And I think that this gives Cena an opportunity to build himself back up over the next year, maybe even win that elusive 17th world title going into a gigantic rematch with The Undertaker. I'd like to see Cena as the champion uh, against The Undertaker putting his career on the line. I think it'd be great. 
And maybe that's where we finally see The Undertaker finish. Because as great as Undertaker looked at WrestleMania, it was a three-minute match. And I just... I just kind of had enough of him. Like he's a legend. He he's maybe the biggest legend in in the sport of wrestling, especially within the WWE uh, company. You know, he's he's like the godfather of of the WWE, but not not like the pimp. You, you know, more like, you know, like the boss. You know, um, and I. But it's it's just at a point where like I don't want to question every year if it's the last year. Like. I just wanted to come out and say it finally, like, hey, this is it, when it is. Maybe, it, I don't know. But three minutes was was actually kind of perfect for what this was. And this match was a squash, and like I said, just kind of a preview for next year, I think, because this show was so stacked that they didn't even advertise this show, this match on the show. So that just goes to show you that this was just kind of a bonus match in, a, in an appetizer, like I said, and I really expect to see them next year. After that, we had Daniel Bryan making his triumphant return to in-ring action, uh, teaming with Shane McMahon against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They won by submission. Daniel Bryan hit the yes lock. Good stuff. Oh, and as far as my predictions go, I guess I'll go down. I like I, I've been uh, missing uh, kind of those here. So like, like I said, I, I had Rusev over gender or Rusev winning, not gender. Uh, I had. Angle and Rousey, and I had the Bludgeon Brothers, so I was right on all those. I had the Undertaker over Cena as well, so um, good there. And I did have Daniel Bryan winning this one by submission. The match went 15 and a half minutes, and it was good. Uh, it was really good, and it was really great hearing Daniel Bryan come back. I'm just really excited to see him back on the main roster, and I'm hoping that there's more in store for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in the very near future because both of those guys are main event level talents so I really want to see more out of Owens and Zayn and I want to see them get pushed uh harder and harder and I want to see Daniel Bryan right back in that mix as a full-time wrestler because he's one of the best in the ring at in the world especially of this last you know 10 years or so Daniel Bryan is one of the best we've ever seen really and uh, we'll talk about Smackdown at the end briefly but obviously Bryan is back full-time so it's great to see and after that, we had Nia Jax defeating Alexa Bliss. This match went a little over 10 minutes. She won the Raw Women's Championship. Not a lot I can say about this. This was pretty much a long squash match. And I did predict Nia to win, so I was correct there. After that, we had AJ Styles with Shinsuke Nakamura. This match underwhelmed a little bit. It went like 20 and a half minutes. AJ retained the WWE title. I thought that it was a good match. Like It was, way, it was better than an average match, but it wasn't the spectacular show-stealing spectacle that we were expecting, and it wasn't anything close to how good their match was at Wrestle Kingdom 10 a few years ago. But what I did love was the ending of the match. I loved the way that Styles reversed um, the Kinshasa into a Styles clash for the pin, and I absolutely loved Nakamura turning heel at the end, low-blowing Styles, and just beating him up. I loved it, and we'll talk about what happened on SmackDown also with him. Love Nakamura as a heel. I think he's a better heel than a babyface, to be honest. He was gold as a heel in New Japan. He's a great babyface as well, but great stuff uh, with that heel turn. And like I said, the match wasn't as good as, as what we were all expecting, but you know that was just the first match in a series of matches that these two guys were definitely going to have. So I think it'll just get better and better. 
All right, let me take a swig of water real quick before we talk about this next thing. So just one second here. You tell how thirsty I am. If you could hear me like slurping that, guzzling it down. Um, The next thing that happened was really, really weird. So the bar lost their tag team titles in four minutes to Braun Strowman and Nicholas. Who's Nicholas, you ask? Nicholas is a fourth grade kid who Strowman pulled out of the crowd, who we later found out is the son of one of the WWE uh, referees. But this was so stupid. This was so stupid. Like, they had an opportunity. Like, I I had predicted Samoa Joe, and of course I predicted Braun Strowman and just by himself or with any partner he chose to win the title. So I was right on the prediction, but... This was just so dumb. Like, I wanted to see Samoa Joe. I would have even been cool with, like, James Ellsworth or even, like, Elias, you know, in hindsight now. You know, just any, like, or bring someone new in, just whatever. I mean, you had an, op- an opportunity to, to you know, build someone new here. But instead, you you did this with, a like, a 10-year-old kid or whatever and, like, it was just stupid. And then they gave up their titles on Raw. Even though the crowd has been popping pretty big for Nicholas. But it's like one of those, like, we know this is so stupid that we're just going to cheer it way too much kind of things. And it was just stupid. Strowman won. I mean, what else can you really say? They're still, push- they're still pushing Strowman, but I don't really know where he's going to go next after this. And in the main event of WrestleMania 34, Brock Lesnar defeated Roman Reigns to retain the Universal Championship in around 16 minutes. Paul Heyman, of course, at ringside with Brock. And the big surprise here was the finish of the match. I mean, nobody expected Brock to retain. And we now know that they're going to rematch at the greatest greatest Royal Rumble event in a cage match. And that's probably where Reigns is going to get the win. But the crowd hated this match. I can tell you firsthand from being there live, people were leaving during the match. Um... There was a ton of beach balls. People were more invested in the beach balls. People were chanting, this is awful. People were chanting for Nicholas just out of spite. I mean, if WWE hasn't realized it by now, I mean, they obviously have, but whoever's making that final decision, Vincent Mann, I'm talking to you. If you ever listen to this, which I know you never will, but I mean, for the people listening, just know that's where my head is at. I mean, Roman Reigns is great, okay? Roman Reigns is great. He's He's... Very good in the ring. He's a good character. He has a great look. He, he invokes emotion and response from the crowd. But he is not your next quote-unquote John Cena. He just isn't. He is not your top guy. He could potentially do it if he turned heel. And everybody's been saying that forever. And it's so obvious. But it's like, I have to keep beating a dead horse over this because it just doesn't make any sense like that. They just keep trying to do this over and over and over again, and it doesn't work year after year after year. And it and it was so bad that apparently they changed the finish of the match mid-match from what I understand. Reigns went in there, you know, he was going in there to win. And, the I mean, the crowd just didn't, it wasn't even like they were booing. I mean, they did boo Reigns, but it wasn't even so much that they were booing. It was more that they just honestly didn't care. And... People are getting real tired of this Brock Lesnar shit with him being part-time and constantly teasing that he wants to go to the UFC. 
listen, he's going to go back to the UFC. He's 100% going to fight for the UFC again. And I have no problem with that. I have no problem with him doing both. But my issue is that you have full-time talents that you need to be getting over, and you just aren't doing it. Like, you're relying so much on on Brock Lesnar and, and Roman Reigns and these guys that the crowd doesn't care about a whole lot. And you have all these young, up-and-coming, super, super uber-talented performers that you could be giving these pushes to and just keep choosing the wrong people. So the match itself really wasn't that good. It wasn't a terrible match, but it really wasn't that good. Um, the F5 had been protected all year. Nobody kicked out of more than one F5. Or any F five. It was it was F five. You get pinned for the three all year, ever since Goldberg, and then Reigns kicks out of five of them, takes six F fives, uh, plus the one through the announce table to keep Reigns down for the three count. Uh, he got busted open hard way with elbows. He was bleeding like crazy, and I get it. WWE is trying to make people sympathize towards Roman Reigns, but it is not working, and it is not going to work. Turn the man heel. He would be such a damn good heel. Like, just imagine him coming out into the ring and finally just acknowledging what's been going on and just telling the fans to stick it. You know, just like, look, you know what? I tried for five years now to be your guy. You don't want it. You know what? Fuck all of you. Fuck all of you. Like, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for my family and my kids. I don't give a fuck what you guys think about me. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Just point at people in the crowd. Fuck all of you. Like, this is about me. And have him shit on the fans a little bit. He's been getting shit on for years now. Have him dish it back a little bit. Do something. WWE, do fucking do something. Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry if that offends anybody, like any religious people that listen to my show. Maybe that's not a good choice of words, including the, the Jesus Christ in there. But I don't know how else to say it. I mean, this is just, come on. <laughs> you know, what else can I say? Come on. Uh, that That's WrestleMania 34 in a nutshell right there. All right. After that, the last show that I went to live over the weekend was the Raw after WrestleMania. I'm going to touch on some highlights. All right. I'm going down like a list here. So you might hear like my mouse click in there a little bit. Um, Ronda Rousey. Major pop to to start the show off. Ember Moon debuted on the main roster officially. Great stuff. Uh, she hit the eclipse. The crowd went uh, went nuts. Noe Jose defeated a, a jobber. Uh, I think that Noe Jose will last uh, between three and six months on the main roster. Uh, he will. I think he'll get future endeavored within the year. Hope he proves me wrong because I never want to see people get fired. Never want to see people lose their jobs. But this reminds me way too much of the. Adam Rose stuff that didn't work at all on the main roster, and Noe Jose really doesn't offer a whole lot. So, don't think that's going to work very well. Uh, what else happened? That was worth noting. Tag team title tournament, yada yada. Jeff Hardy returned. That was awesome. Uh, I think he'll be drafted to SmackDown or stay on Raw while uh, Wyatt and Hardy get drafted. I think that they'll separate Jeff from the uh, the Woken universe a little bit right now. And he's still so over. They can literally put Jeff Hardy in the main event of of any show that they want, and he's instantly credible, and he's always going to get a positive crowd reaction. So great to see Jeff back and looking healthy. 
<clears throat> excuse me, Paige retired during the show. Thought that was great, uh, but we'll talk about. Uh, I don't think it's great that she has to retire. Let me reiterate. I think it's great that she had a you know a moment to, to really, acknowledge what's been going on and talk to the fans and officially announce her entering retirement. But we all saw where that led to on uh, on Tuesday on SmackDown, which we'll talk about here in a second. Bobby Lashley returns and attacks Elias. I thought this was great. Uh, the the fans loved seeing Lashley, and it and it's really interesting to see that Lashley is still signed to Bellator MMA. Although he hasn't competed since 2016, it is really interesting to see the WWE really change their tone recently on letting their contracted performers uh, be involved and contracted with other major organizations. You know, although MMA and pro wrestling are are two different things, they, they do kind of live in the same world. And it is a risky thing to let your your WWE superstars fight legitimate mixed martial arts fights because, you know, injuries happen, you know, stuff happens and it can throw off storylines in pro wrestling. So, but it was great seeing Lashley come back. He looked like a million bucks. And I think he has the potential to do much bigger things on this run than he did in his last run with the WWE. His time in impact wrestling, he really, really, really improved. So good to see Lashley back. Uh, Owens and Zayn were on the show. Uh, they were asking for jobs. They had a really good uh, segment, and they had a really good match as well. Uh, the Officers of Pain debuted on the main roster. Good stuff. Total squash match. <clears throat> Grab another sip of water real quick. Been talking for like 45 minutes. <sighs> um, I thought it was interesting that the Authors of Pain left Paul Elring behind after they won their match in their debut. From what I understand, Elring doesn't want to uh, do the full traveling schedule with the full roster. So if that's the case, it makes sense because otherwise them distancing themselves from Elring makes no sense whatsoever because he added instant credibility to the team and this like mysterious aura that I really think they're going to be missing with him not around. I think he added a lot to that team. Maybe they'll get another manager, um, which I'm all for because I think they kind of need it. Although they're, you know, they're two big, strong, athletic dudes, they're still a bit green, and Elring really helped help them out. And I wrote about this for the Daily DDT as well. I'd like to see Elring go back to NXT if he, in fact, you know, still wants to be a part of it. And I want to see him manage the War Raiders. I think him managing Rowan Hansen would be great. I don't think that they necessarily need a mouthpiece. I think Rowan Hansen can do great things on their own. But having Elring associated with them, especially out there ringside, just adds a level of credibility that, you know, he adds credibility to anything that he's involved with because he's a WWE Hall of Fame manager that's really good on screen. So there's that. We also got Samoa Joe returning. Uh, He cut a great promo. The crowd popped big to see Samoa Joe. And we're going to see Joe versus Reigns at Backlash. So... They've always had good matches against each other, but it's you know it's nothing new. Uh, Bray and Matt Hardy won their tag team tournament match. Uh, Owens and Zayn, like I said, they had a double count out. Their match was really, really, really good, as always. The two of those guys never have a bad match against each other. Uh, funny backstage segment between the Woken, uh, Woken Matt Hardy, Broken Bray, and Brother Nero. Thought that was pretty cool. 
And the main event was good. Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, and Jeff Hardy defeating The Miz and The Miz Taraj. Good stuff. And the crowd went home watching Swanton Bombs and Curb Stomps or whatever. The Stomp, Blackout, whatever they're calling it now. Uh, some coup de grace. Really good stuff. They're off to WrestleMania, as always. It was a fucking awesome show. And I'm always happy that I stay there that extra day in, uh, in whatever town WrestleMania is in if I'm there to catch the Rofter Mania. So we're going to talk about SmackDown now just briefly, and that's going to be it for this podcast. I did not attend this live, like I said, but I'm going to talk about it since it was a part of WrestleMania weekend and technically would close it out. Um, Paige is announced as the new general manager of SmackDown, which I think is great. Gives her something to do. And we also know that Daniel Bryan is full-time now, which is awesome. Uh, the New Day and the Usos had a number contender match for the tag titles. Usos won it, so they're, like I kind of mentioned earlier, they're right back in that mix. Um, What else happened that was of note? Naomi and Natalya had a match. Naomi won. Blah, blah, blah. I will say that this show wasn't nearly as good as, like, the Rofter Mania. I thought it was good. But it was kind of similar to last year because I stayed for SmackDown last year in uh, in Orlando. But I didn't think that the show was nearly as good as Raw, and I figured that'd be the case again this year. So I, you know, I left a little earlier to get back to Nashville sooner. Um, although last year we did see Nakamura debut on SmackDown, which I thought was really cool. I was really glad to be a part of that. Um, Nakamura did a great promo with Renee Young. They did an interview backstage on SmackDown, uh, this past Tuesday, and Nakamura's answering all these questions that Renee's asking him about AJ Styles and, like, what he was doing, and Nakamura's being really arrogant and, like, jokingly saying, like, he's sorry about it, blah, 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 and then Renee just, like, point-blank asks Shinsuke why he did it, and then his response was, I don't speak English. And I was like, oh my God. Or I know speak English. However he, however he said it. He's saying, he's, he's claiming he doesn't speak English, so he can't answer the question, even though he answered every other question in the interview in English. So I just think that's so good. I love Heel Nakamura. Awesome stuff. Um, Charlotte's... Oh, actually, well, so Charlotte gets her ass kicked by the debuting Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, also known as the iconic duo from NXT. They come out and just beat the holy hell out of Flair. And because Flair's down, Carmella comes out, she cashes in Money in the Bank, and she wins the title. Although I will say, the referee in this, I think it was Kyoto, if I'm, not, if I'm uh, not mistaken, this was so dumb. He took forever to cash the thing in and... I don't understand what the point of, like, if you can cash in Money in the Bank at any time, I don't understand why there's a stipulation in there of any kind where the opponent, the champion, who's on the defensive, has to be on their feet, ready to fight. Like, I think a big part of Money in the Bank should be, like, if somebody's laid out in the ring and they're on the ground and they can't move, you cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase, the bell rings, and you just lay on top of them for the win because that's the advantage of having the briefcase. But anyway, Carmella wound up winning, and she's the new SmackDown champion, so we'll see where that goes uh, going forward. There was a triple threat number one contender match uh, between Rusev, Orton, and 
uh, Bobby Roode for the uh, U.S. title, which Randy Orton won. So we're going to get another Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton feud. Uh, it's a feud that we didn't want uh, this past year for the WWE title, and now we have it again for the U.S. title. So, you know, don't care at all about that. I think uh, Orton is way better than uh, than having to deal with that. Let's put it that way. And let's see if there's anything else uh, really worth noting. I'm probably missing some stuff, but... um. Yeah, the main event, you know, Dan O'Brien wrestled AJ Styles. Uh, dream match already happening. Dan O'Brien's first singles match since coming back from injury. And this was awesome. This match was fucking awesome. These two guys are awesome. I can't wait to see this over and over and over again. Shinsuke came out to ruin the match. And, and it was great, you know. What else can you really say? Like, Shinsuke came out and he's he's the he's already establishing himself as a top heel. And... You know, great stuff. Great match, great stuff. Uh, we're going to see what happens in the Superstar Shake-Up this Monday and Tuesday, so tomorrow and Tuesday. So these rosters are probably going to kind of flip and flop all over the place. Um, But great stuff. And then, you know, to finish out the, uh, the WrestleMania weekend, 205 Live, let me make sure I got the right results in front of me because I can't remember every uh, every match that happened. Because there wasn't a whole lot of them. Yeah, Kalisto uh, defeated Akira Tozawa in a really good match. And Drew Gulak defeated um, Mark Andrews by submission. Which uh, which I really like too. Really good stuff. And uh, Buddy Murphy came out also uh, like at the end of the show. So they did like uh, basically like... Cedric was in the ring talking about winning the title. Mustafa Ali came out to you know congratulate him, give him props, and Buddy Murphy came out uh, to close the show, uh, hitting hitting Alexander with his finishing move. Uh, also worth noting, Brian Kendrick came back. Him and Jack Gallagher are uh, teaming, and that's pretty much it. And this is a good time to wrap it up because you can hear the train in the background. So even the train wants me to stop talking now. And I'm going to talk about my sponsors, and we are going to get on out of here. But the last thing I'll say, WrestleMania weekend, as always, was a fantastic time. I had some stuff change last minute on me that I did not expect to happen, so I'm glad I was still able to make it to the show. And like I said, I'm just working my ass off right now, uh, doing a lot of writing and trying to get more content out there for you guys, uh, for both pro wrestling and for mixed martial arts. So if you like what you heard here, please hit the subscribe button on iTunes and Google Play. Please download the episodes. Please leave a five-star rating and any review that you want. And that really helps the podcast out a lot. I know I say it all the time, but it is the truth. Um, And not just on iTunes and Google Play, anywhere that you can uh, listen to this podcast that you prefer listening on. If there's any way to rate and review, please do that for me. And please subscribe. It really, really helps the show out a lot. Please make sure to follow me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore. That's at F-I-G-H-T. T-A-L-K underscore. My Facebook group is Fight Talk Podcast. My articles are available at dailyddt.com. I have a Twitch channel, Fight Talk underscore. Uh, trying to get back into that a little bit. I need more followers on Twitch, by the way. Um, not for my own ego, but because once you hit, I think, 50, I've I've done everything else that I need to do to get a, uh, basically, uh, become an affiliate with them. So, uh, everything else is checking uh, checking the boxes, but I need more followers on Twitch. So if you're on Twitch, please find my channel, 
F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. Got the same logos and everything that you see on my podcast and on, on my social media. And just hit follow. It costs nothing. It's totally free. And it really helps me out a lot there too. My merchandise is available at whatamaneuver.net. That is whatamaneuver.net. Got t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, multiple designs, all that good stuff. Any money I make on the website goes right back into this podcast to help me get guests and better equipment and um, a little extra money to get to these shows and, and form relationships with these wrestlers and, and MMA fighters. want to give a, a shout out and a plug to MMAonPoint.com. I work with them as well. Uh, not pro wrestling related, but I do write articles, uh, news stories, stuff like that for them on MMAonPoint.com and I do handle their social media uh, at OnPointMMA on Twitter, at MMAonPoint on uh, Instagram, and their YouTube channel is MMAonPoint. And like I said earlier, they're closing in on 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. That should happen probably before the end of the month. So exciting stuff there. As far as my sponsors are concerned, uh, WrestleRumble.com. I already mentioned them because I won that NXT Pick'em Contest. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at WrestleRumble to stay up to date with all their contests. And their website, of course, is WrestleRumble.com. They always have a ton of cash, a ton of prizes available on the line for picking and predicting pro wrestling shows. I can't say enough great things about about WrestleRumble.com. Just check out the website and they have merchandise on there as well. So grab yourself a t-shirt while you're on the site as well. Also want to give a shout out to Heroes and Legends. Heroes and Legends is a pro wrestling collectible and memorabilia company that specializes in action figures, vintage magazines and programs, DVDs, autographed memorabilia, and other unique pro wrestling memorabilia. Make sure to follow them on H, uh, follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at HL Pro Wrestling, and I'll get you a list of their upcoming dates soon. But once again, Heroes and Legends is the people to hit up for pro wrestling collectibles. They're nice people and they do fair business. So, what more can you want? And last but never least. Shout out to Brian Jensen. Brian Jensen is a pro boxing cornerman. He's an instructor. He's a personal trainer. He helps MMA fighters. Uh, he helps just people just lose weight. Whatever you're looking for, he can help you out. He's out of the Atlanta, Georgia area, uh, Sandy Springs to be more specific, but he can help you remotely from anywhere. Just hit him up on Instagram, give him a follow, and uh, message him back and forth. Uh, his Instagram is at Atlanta Boxing Coach. That's at Atlanta Boxing Coach, all spelled out as one word. Brian Jensen is the guy for you. Get a knockout workout without getting knocked out. So that'll be it for this episode of Fight Talk. Thank you very, very much for listening. There's a lot of stuff been going on, like I said, and more episodes coming up shortly. I want to give a quick shout-out to Khabib Nurmagomedov, who won the UFC Lightweight Championship this past Saturday. And like I said, MMA coverage available at MMAonPoint.com. I'll be doing some more MMA podcasts soon. I'm also hoping to get some more pro wrestling guests on soon. And I'll be doing a preview very soon uh, for the next Southern Underground Pro Show with Righteous Jesse. They have a show coming up a week from today um, at the Basement East here in Nashville, Tennessee. They are my favorite independent pro wrestling company. And they run shows out of a bar about 10 minutes from where I live. So super convenient and amazing stuff. But I got more episodes coming for you. So I'll be back very, very soon.